book of Colossians. Paul, um, two two choices here. Paul um, evangelized the saints at Colossae and founded that church. A. Option B. Paul did not, but knew them otherwise. What's the option with Colossae? You might remember. But did Paul go there? Mm-hmm. And so he had he had messengers. He said he 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 had a lot of contact with that city, but he did not actually um, actually found that church. But he writes to them. Um, let's look at chapter two. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of the full assurance of the understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body... Yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. And that's in the ESV. Um, we're going to read through verses, verse 23. So we're going to read to the end of the chapter. And I want to do this in um, those translations. We have all of those translations with us today, either physically or electronically. Uh, we'll read from verse 6, and I will, I will do the ESV, and then we'll have somebody else read the others. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to the human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in Him who is the head of all rule and authority. In Him also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by the putting off of the, of the, excuse me, by the putting off of the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the, the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in vain. Excuse me, in in him, sorry. And so basic basic context here is... um, you know, the first paragraph which we read, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And here he's saying, don't be deceived by empty philosophy. You know what's, you know what's fuller than empty philosophy? Christ. Because in Christ uh, is the knowledge of God. In Christ dwells the full deity of the Godhead bodily. 
All right, and then and through Christ you are circumcised, and just as, as I believe it was, I don't know if it was one of you said last last week, talked about the circumcision. All right, we are circumcised. All right, as believers. All right, not necessarily physically, but we are circumcised in heart. We are circumcised by the circumcision of Christ Himself. Says that here. Okay. And so it is a spiritual circumcision. It is a, a marker on us as the children of God. Verse 16. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are the shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world... Why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh." We're going to focus on these particular um, two verses, 2.8 and 2.20, and particularly a small phrase in those. And uh, what I want to figure out, and what I want you to help me figure out, is if this phrase here and here is the same as this phrase here and here. Are they talking, is Paul talking about the same thing in Colossians 8 and 20 of chapter 2, in Galatians chapter 4? Verses uh, 3 and 9. Alright, so, here's the phrase. If we look at Colossians 2.8, alright? According to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. Alright? Elemental spirits of the world. That phrase. Alright? In Colossians 2.20 If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world. All right, now let's, uh, you, you'll want to keep your finger there because we'll come back. Turn to Galatians chapter 4. This we read last time and discussed. Chapter 4, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until date set by his father. In the same way, we were also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world.
Okay? And uh, verse 8, Formerly when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? Are those the same thing? Same language here. Are these the same things? How would we know? Hmm. KJV. What's the equivalent, if you would? Somebody with KJV, I know there's at least two of you. In Colossians 2 8, what you got? Does it say of the world? Or just rudimentary principles? Rudiments of the world. Rudiments of the world. All right. The ESV also generally also has a marginal reading in at least one or two of these. Okay, um, Colossians 2.20, what we got? Okay, rudiments of the world. Does it have the uh, marginal reading? Yes. Okay. Alright, what do we got in Galatians 4.3? Elements of the world. Elements of the world, alright. And what you got in the next one? Know of the world, right? Okay. In both cases, marginal reading of rudiments. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Does the K, does your um, KJV and this wouldn't be, you know, peculiar to the translation? Does it point back to the other verses? Is there a cross reference? Yes. To both. Okay. Uh, NIV. Mm-hmm. In NIV, NIV uses the, uh, the term basic principles, and the first three first three verses uh, Basic principles of the world, or just basic principles? Basic principles of the world. Okay, I'm just going to go uh, O-T-W, all right, of the world. And uh, it's got that for all three. Okay. However, Galatians 4-9, is it? Uh-huh. How is it you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Thank you. Frank, what do we have in the Amplified Version? 
Uh, Colossians 2.8 first, yeah. The musings of mere men following the elementary principles of this world rather than following the truth, the teachings of Christ. So elementary principles this of, uh, I'll just, OTW. It's this here, but that's an inconsequential detail. What do we have in Colossians 2.20? What do you have in Galatians? Galatians 4 3. Spiritually immature were kept by slaves under the elementary man made religious or philosophical teachings of the world. <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> the Amplified just embellishes it. It does, words, yeah. And then it gives a definition of the words right after it. So I okay. hope I'm reading the right things for you. No, that was definitely it. That was definitely it. Um, say, just read that one again for me. Yeah. Um, the uh, spiritually, the, referring to the children, spiritually immature, were kept like slaves under the elementary man-made religious or philosophical teachings of the world. I'm going to go with probably elementary teachings there. <laughs> and what you have in uh, Galatians 4.9? Okay, Net Bible in the back. What we got? Colossians is the same as ESV. So, uh, elemental spirits of the world. Okay, in both. In both. What about Galatians? It says the first verse says basic forces of the world, and it has a note. Says or basic principles, elementary things, or elementary spirits. Okay. It mentions all four. And um, thanks, Net Bible. Uh, four nine only says basic forces. It doesn't mention other world. <laughs> Yeah, that was something. Yes, sir. This was originally written in Greek, right? Correct. Okay, so do all these different words, elemental, rudiment, basic, do they all come from the same word in Greek? That's, that's a fine question, sir. It does. I looked it up. 
Cheater! Cheater! Oh! Cheater! Cheater! Oh, man! Okay. <laughs> we can go home now, right? So, often, thank you, thank you, Jennifer. Often, all right, often you can use, uh, just compare translations and you can um, see useful information, right? But we got a problem in this case, because you've got elemental spirits, elemental spirits, elementary principles. ESV is not consistent with these two. And if you do a cross-reference between the two and you're like, well, maybe it's the same, but maybe it's different, because spirits is spiritual, but principles is like mental, all right? And then you'll like go to KGV if you're reading that. It's the rudiments of the world, okay, elements of the world. Well, r- rudiments, is that the same thing as elements, maybe? Maybe? Basic. NIV, basic principles, basic principles, basic principles. Well, maybe these aren't basic. Amplified. Elementary principles. Elementary principles. Good job. Elementary teachings. Same? Elemental principles. Don't know. Elemental spirits. Elemental spirits. Basic forces. Basic forces. All right? So in this particular case, um, the translations themselves are not helping you. All right. In terms of seeing a correspondence between Colossians and Galatians, as Jennifer pointed out, as a matter of fact, uh, these are the exact same four phrases, with the exception of the last one. What's different about the last one? There's no of the world, but it's got this from context, right? This is just a few verses later. He's just not being redundant by leaving of the off, you know, of the world off. Um, here. Now, did the ESV have of the world here? Because if so, the ESV is actually yes, it's of the world. including redundancy there, where Paul uh, did not actually put it They're there. They added to the scriptures. They added to the scriptures, that's right. Well, translations are interpretations. All right? And so what they're doing there is they're adding redundancy. I would assume this is my thought process. They're adding redundancy here to make sure the reader connects these two. All right? Yes, Chip. Has anybody attempted to itemize or list those Well, that's part of the question is, is what are they? All right. And by looking at the context between the two, we can get a decent idea, I think, of what Paul is referring to in those. And so we're we're going to we're going to look at that here in a second. All right. And so the thing I want to point out is if you're going to interpret this, you should interpret it in light of this. All right. Because there's a lot of language overlap between these two sections. And not just this phrase. Though this phrase is word for word in the first three, the exact same words in the exact same word order. All right? And so as it is a wise translation thing, all right, in my mind, uh, whenever you see the same phrases in two different places, unless you have good reason to do otherwise, you should translate it the same way. Because that way, when the reader's reading, they will go, oh, well, these are the same phrase. Where if you change them needlessly, like every single one of them did, 
Um, NIV maybe least so. All right, it just doesn't put basic. All right, the word basic is not there. It's just stoic. The the elemental spirits is the same as rudiments. Is the same as principles. Is the same as elemental principles. All right, it's just one word. So, all right, it's often helpful to use multiple translations. If you can't use the translations, what do you do to see that there's a correspondence here? Where, where do you go? Other than, obviously the Greek, that, that helps a lot. What's that? You would go to context. Where else would you go as a resource? Jennifer. You would go to Jennifer as a resource. If she's not available, where else would you go? The internet. You go to the internet, okay. True. Internet is, is basically, you could use the internet as a form of commentary. All right. And so commentaries would be a good choice because generally speaking, commentaries are going to, when they discuss this, go, by the way, there's a parallel. Because right? usually commentaries are written by people who know original languages and can see those things. And are usually commentaries are also using other commentaries written by people who also do these things. All right, so now let's, let's do what Bill said, and let's look at context. So let's go back to Colossians chapter 2, if you're not there. Yes, sir. Just for those that are interested, I use this all the time, but there's a free resource online on the Debt Bible. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking at a passage of scripture, you can right click and you can select parallel. And on the panel right next to it, it'll give you that one verse and it'll give you like four or five versions. And it's, it's very, it's basically what you did right there, but you can do it instantly and it's very helpful. Yeah, not nearly as manual labor as that was. Opening up multiple books, for sure. Yeah, those tools are very useful. Is it on the NetBible? So probably netbible.org, right? Yeah. Okay, so um, Colossians chapter 2. All right. So let's start at verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. All right? Colossians' philosophy is a thing. All right? Philosophy is a problem. Um, that's not the major problem in Galatia. What's the major problem in Galatia? All right, his opponents. All right, his opponents who are not trying to teach them philosophy, Greek philosophy. His opponents are trying to get them to submit to the Jewish law. All right, so in that sense, there's definitely a difference here. All right, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, and he is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Well, that's an interesting overlap of conversation. Galatians is very much about circumcision. All right? Very much. Of course, in that particular case, Galatians, the, the, those who were troubling the, the Galatians, were telling them they needed to be physically circumcised to be a child of Abraham. Right? Um, you know, circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh 
by the circumcision of Christ. Um, the flesh is going to be a, a big deal in Galatians. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith, and the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. You're going to see that in Galatians. And you, who, as a matter of fact, all right, remember who Christ portrayed in front of you crucified, right? That was the very beginning of Galatians. And you were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him, having forgiven all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. That was certainly a topic in Galatians. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Certainly a topic in Galatians. He disarmed rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Well, that seems like, at first glance, uh, what? What does that have to do with this? All right. Remember previous discussions. Christ's resurrection and exaltation to the right hand of the throne of God is is an attack on evil spiritual forces. It is a, you didn't know what was going on, you killed Jesus, he's now king, all of you are losing. Right? We've talked about this before. When you see this theme, that's what he's talking about. He's not talking about Caesar. He's talking about Caesar's God here. All right? That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about um, the Persian's ruler, the Persian Shah. All right? He's talking about the Persian Shah's God. All right? Christ has, has defeated that, that little G-God. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are the shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. That's very much a subject in Galatians, right? Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and the worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. I think that's more of a uh, Colossians thing there. If with Christ you died, and here's the next one, to the elemental spirits all right, of the world, all right, the, element, the, the rudimentaries of the world, whatever that is, why, as if you were still alive in the world, are you still alive in the world? What a fascinating phrase. Why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle. Do not taste. Do not touch. Referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. That, right there, is absolutely Paul's argument against the law. Except here it's not against the law, per se. Because what does he say about the law? Is the law good? Yes. What happens when a human comes in contact with the law? Death. Because they can't follow it. And not only that, and this is Romans 7, all right, when they see the law, sin all right, is not curbed. Necessarily, sin will go, ooh, let's do that. All right? And sin will often, in the presence of the law, increase. And what Paul's saying here, you know, these things sound good. The appearance of wisdom, promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Turn to Galatians. Galatians. 
Paul's theology is incredibly radical for his for his um, Jewish interlocutors. Incredibly radical. All right. Why? Because essentially, all right. Paul's Paul here when he says these words, he's talking about law. What he's doing theologically is saying the in the law. If you obey that, you're going and following the elementary principles of the world. And if you obey philosophy and the old Greek stuff, you're obeying the elementary principles of the world. In other words, he's lumping the law and what was happening with Gentile heathenism. All right? That is going to make a lot of people extremely angry and want to kill him. Call him an antinomian. You hate the law. And they're going to try to kill him, which is exactly what they did multiple times and eventually succeeded in doing. All right. So anyway, Galatians chapter 4, at the very beginning, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. He's a, he's a, he's a Jew, right? He's talking about him and Judaism. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. That was in Colossians. So that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the, father, the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Okay. Uh, one note before we go on. In ancient culture, a, uh, the child of a, of a slave is a what? Free man or a slave? Slave. 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 All right? Keep that in mind. All right? Keep that in mind. Okay. Formally, when you did not know God, and you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods, but now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles? of the world, that thing, whose slaves you want to be once more, right? Remember, Paul's interlocutors are not telling the Galatians, it's time to be more pagan, all right? This is not what's going on. That's what the Colossians would struggle with. Not here. They're saying, you need to be more Jewish, all right? You need to be circumcised, all right? You need to be like Peter and withdraw from the Gentiles. You observe... Days and months and seasons and years. That was in Colossians. I'm afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that, if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you. But for no good purpose, they want to shut you out so that they make so that you may make much of them. What does that mean? All right. They want to shut you out so that you will make much of them. Here's 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 the situation. OK, you're you're a Christian, but not really. You're not circumcised. You don't follow the law. 
we're, you're, not, you're not really in the group. No, no, no. We want to be in the group. We want to be like you. Let us in. All right? So by shutting them out, they're making themselves look good. All right? That's, that's what he's saying here. All right? They want to shut you out so that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children for whom I am again in anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone for I am perplexed about you. All right. They were trying to make much of themselves by making much of the Gentiles and paying attention to them and saying, you're partially there, but you're not quite as good as us. Be circumcised and follow the law. Yeah. It would make sense. I mean, it but. seems to be the same problem that the Pharisees had. One of the reasons why they despised Jesus is people weren't looking to them anymore. They were yeah. losing influence. Yeah. And even looking foolish. And they were critiquing him for the same exact thing as Paul. Who, what, look at Jesus. Who does he hang out with? Right? He hangs out with sinners and tax collectors. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's, a, it's the same exact problem. Did we get it? We did get both those verses. All right. So these are the exact same things. All right. In a certain sense. All right. But this is this is what's so just fascinating about Paul's theology, and once again, why he was so hated. All right. He was equating and basically saying going back to the law as a Christian, Gentile, is basically going back to paganism. All right? It's their equivalent. All right? You're not supposed to go back to either one because both of them, all right, have been superseded. All right? And if we think back to our Deuteronomy verse, right, that we last time, Deuteronomy 4.19, and beware lest you raise your eyes to heaven. This is Moses and God or God talking to the Israelites. And when you see the sun and moon and stars, all the host of heaven, you be drawn away and bow down to them and serve them that the Lord your God has allotted to all the peoples under the whole heaven. God had allotted the other nations to other gods. But he said, you're mine, Israel. All right? And what Paul here is doing is saying, well, if you go back to the law and you try to put yourself under the Mosaic Covenant, you're essentially... Winding the clock back. Now let's read the next paragraph. And uh, I don't think we'll have time to go through it fully. So we'll just uh, look at a little bit at it. Remember, child of a slave is a slave. Okay? Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons. One by a slave woman and one by a free woman. All right, so we're going to have two parallels. All right, lots of parallels here. Slave woman, free woman, son, son. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh. Well, the son of the free woman was born through the promise. Now, this may be interpreted allegorically. Okay? Now, what was just said was not allegorical. Right? But it can be interpreted allegorically, and that's what he does next. These women are two covenants. 
All right. Now in in Genesis, all right, is there an explicit giving of a covenant to Hagar? Kinda. Kinda, right? He told her, don't worry about the child. He's going to be great. Right. Mm-hmm. After the fact, right? Hagar is cast out, all right, which is important here. That's kind of the point. Hagar is cast out, and God gives her a promise, all right, which is which is a type of covenant, okay? All right, so, all right, so, uh, da, da, da. now this may be interpreted allegory. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai bearing children for slavery, all right? She is Hagar. This, I think, is the allegorical interpretation, right? At this point, Sinai, we are several hundreds away, from, hundred years away from Sinai, right? One is from one is Mount Sinai bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the, and this is so offensive, right? She corresponds to present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children, all right? So here's his view, all right? Uh, slavery. Under the law, slavery to the elementary, elemental, basic, rudimentary, whatever principles of the world. All right, so Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. Hagar was a slave, corresponds to Mount Sinai. Jerusalem is a slave, and all her children are slaves. All Jews who haven't followed Christ, are slaves. That's the equation, all right? Which is highly offensive, all right? But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one, who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the one who has a husband in the Old Testament, who's the husband of Israel? Okay. Now you brothers, like Isaac, now we're talking Sarah's line, are children of promise. But just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit. In other words, Ishmael persecuted Isaac. Hagar persecuted Sarah. Which, if you remember reading Genesis, did that ever happen? Yes. Hagar looked in scorn at Sarah. All right. Sarah also got upset about all of this, which is why there was ultimately a separation there. All right. But he's speaking generally allegorically here. That's his general mode of interpretation. But just as at the time he was born according to the flesh, persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, so also it is now. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of free woman. Okay? Now, one thing that's really interesting here, what he, um, this is what I, I would call uh, what it, subtweeting or subtexting. All right? Who's supposed to be, who's supposed to be cast out? The, the slave woman and her children, okay? Who should be cast out of Galatia? The slave women's children. The people who are trying to lead them astray. Alright? Which is, I mean, that's the whole point of the letter. Don't listen to those people. Cast them out. 
reject their ideas, all right? It's an allegorical interpretation to make that point. In verse, chapter 5, verse 1, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Okay? So this is Paul's incredibly scandalous theological point. All right? And um, it is, it kind of makes sense. All right? It kind of makes sense that people would want to kill him. All right? Because he is, he is being extremely offensive. All right? He's saying, you Jews, are, you're, you're Gentiles, is what, you're, what, you, you, what you basically are. Because you're not following God. You're children of the slave woman. You're not following God. Therefore, you're no better than Gentiles. What's the circumcision that matters? Well, the circumcision of the heart, all right, in Christ. So, um, next time we get together, I hope to go back and talk about that paragraph a little bit more. I would also recommend you go back and uh, read this quote, all right, Isaiah chapter 54, and also pay attention to it in context, um, because it would make for it would make for Paul a very good sermon source to make his point here. All right, not in all its details, but. Uh, if you think about the history of what's going on with Psalm Isaiah, uh, the, excuse me, Psalm Isaiah 53, 54, and what was the backdrop for all of that, which we've talked about, and I'll remind you of next week. All right, um, it would make a very good sermon backdrop for this, for him to go. All right, now I'm going to preach to you from the Old Testament and basically make this point from history and Bible. So, but we don't have time for that today. Any questions? Any thoughts? Yes. Uh, yeah. Going off, if we go off what Paul said about how putting yourself under the law is slavery, mm-hmm. and are people like Messianic Jews the ceiling that want to think of, but who believe in Christ but still follow the old law out of choice, are they in the wrong based on Paul's theological argument? That's a fantastic question, actually. Um, I run into it a lot, and I don't know how to talk about it. Yeah. So the reason why this often doesn't come up is when people read Galatians, they read, follow the law as earn your salvation. That's the typical reading of Galatians in the Reformed tradition. Why? Because that was the question that they were arguing about in the Reformation, at least to a certain degree. And so that tend to be where people go. And when you just basically read through this and equate, follow the law with meriting your salvation, all right, uh, then this issue doesn't come up. All right. You, you totally miss the issue, right? If that's not what Paul's go, doing here, and I don't think, I think that subject, the, the relation of um, faith and works and merit, comes up in Romans as a minor point in his argument. It, it's not even a point here. It's completely absent. We've we've read all of Galatians so far, and I have made a point of not using the word merit, all right, meriting and, and that stuff, because it's just not here. Period. Um, which brings us to a very good question. Okay, well, what about people who today follow the law, all right, and say, you, you can't eat pork, Christian. All right, if you want to um, be a better Christian, you, sh- you can't eat pork. And you can't eat these certain types of fish. And you can't do this, you can't do that. Uh, at the very least, I would say um, very strongly, it's wrong. It is absolutely wrong. 
Are they under the same condemnation? I don't know the answer to that. All right? um, because what we don't have is we don't have the full picture of what was happening in Galatia. All right? uh, we have a letter in response to things that happened, and we don't know everything that was going on. Were they teaching a little bit more than this? It's hard to say. We're listening to a one piece of a two-sided conversation is what's going on. So I don't know. At the very least, I would quite emphatically say, if you were to ever tell someone to be a better Christian, they need to obey the law. You are in the wrong, based on the book of Galatians and the book of Romans. That's quite clearly Paul's thought. No. Absolutely not. If, if you tell somebody what they need, you're aligning yourself against Mark. Therefore, he declared all things. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. In Luke and Acts, yeah. I said all these foods are clean. All right. What are you to say otherwise, right? Of course, this point there is Gentiles, not so much food. But Mark does make that same exact point. Well, yes. Like his point with Peter, and that was an act, right? Or was that Romans? Which point with Peter? Peter has the vision. Yeah, it was Acts. Yeah. Yeah, Acts. So, anyway, any other thoughts? Can we go back to this phrase as if you were still alive in the world? Mm-hmm. It seems like he's using it like the world of elementary principles. Mm-hmm. I think that is the case. It's almost like a little kid. You know, when you first teach them how to read, you have to have those elementary principles. Yeah. But it'd be ridiculous. You know, if you listen to Lydia read now, it'd be ridiculous to go back to those first books and have her drill food out every day. No point. I think you should go back to elementary school. Wait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's what he's getting at. Why would you, why would you, you're dead to that. You're, what you have is the wisdom of God. Yeah. And I think what's going on here is, is uh, world is a confusing term. All right. Uh, the Greek term cosmos, which we get our word cosmos, means more than world. All right. It, it doesn't mean, right, that. It means this ordered current universe, how things are set up right now. Right? For Plato, it would talk about how God's, the one God's ordered universe. Plato was basically a polytheist monotheist. There was one, there was one ultimate deity that was over all the others. All right? And so he would have said, there is a cosmos. It's all ordered by that one, whatever it is, that's higher than all the gods of, of Homer, right? Um, and so when you're using cosmos, it could refer to the world as in the earth, as in a physical thing, uh, but here it's clearly not talking about that. It's, it's because they are, they are definitely alive on the earth at the time. Otherwise, they're not reading a letter, right? So yeah, it's, it's, it's this, I think it is this stuff. It's the cosmos. It is that order that is currently in place, all right, that is um, put in place by God, but also corrupted by sin. They're trying to align themselves with that system by going back to the law or by going back to Greek philosophy. And Paul's like, neither Christ is the centerpiece. It has to be incredibly offensive for you to almost equate those by using the same 
you might as well be worshiping Zeus. Yeah. Which is also, I think, why we should have some slack towards Peter. All right. I, I do think we should have some pity for Peter. For Peter and even Barnabas to do that, all right, they, they were wrong. Right? Talking about the incident in Antioch that's in chapter 2 of Galatians. They were wrong, but they were going back to where they had grown up all their lives. They were going back to their biases and prejudices before. It was wrong, but we should, I think we should at least cut them some slack and go, wrong, but I get it. All right? Paul had to call them on it, all right? and Peter had to learn that through experience and all that. It's, it's what they grew up with. And so therefore, when you trash what somebody grows up with, it causes issues. Yeah. Yeah. Real quick. I just wanted to uh, go off what Jonathan asked you. I don't know very much about Messianic Judaism, um, but I guess um, when it comes to like the law and things like that, do you know if they take an approach of like, do they say, you can eat pork, we're just not going to? Or do they say, you're not supposed to eat pork and we don't eat it? You know, is it more... That's a good question. Because I think that's important to answer his question. Because like, mm-hmm. if it's a hands-off approach, I wouldn't have a problem with it. But if they're telling us, no, you can't eat it, then I yeah. definitely would. I agree. But that would be a different line. Yeah. Would be that even by saying it, they were, they're trying to rebuild the wall that, that Jesus tore down. Yeah. Michael... Yeah, on that, and a few discussions that I've had with my Messianic Judaism, however you want to say it, friends, um, one of them, the way they, the reason they kind of follow it is half of their family is Jew, and they follow it kind of as a remembrance of the Jews and their past ancestors. But they also believe in Jesus, so they kind of just, somewhere all of that stuff just got tacked together, and then they're Messianic Jews. The other person I know, they follow it because in their research, they came to the conclusion that it's the most biblically accurate, whole biblically accurate thing they can find in all of the Baptist, Catholic, etc. So they decided to follow that. And in talking to my two different families and friends, they don't force it on other people, at least they didn't, they didn't say they do, and they didn't force it on me. But... That's kind of the gist I got from it. Yeah. I disagree. <laughs> I do too. Yeah. And remember also in Protestantism in general, right? There is a spectrum of belief on this, right? Presbyterians are different than us in in this. They're not like Messianic Jews. They don't go they're not quite like that. Um, Lutherans are more likely to well, Luther would more be more likely to preach the law. All right? Not because he thought it would save people, because specifically understanding Paul saying it's just going to make men more guilty. And he's like, yeah, that's right. I'm going to preach the law so they'll realize they need more grace, which is, historically speaking, exactly what Paul says theologically happened. They were given the law so that when grace came, when the fullest grace came, they had grace before, when the fullest grace came, they would recognize it and go, I need that, because the law clearly wasn't working for them. And that, you could argue historically, as well as biblically from Paul. Any other thoughts before we dismiss? Okay. Lord willing, next Lord's Day we'll come back to Galatians chapter 4 and Isaiah. So read, read Isaiah and read Galatians. We'll discuss. Okay.